Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 Calgary West. Good morning, church. Who's excited to be in church on a cold, uh, rainy August morning? I love, I love coming to the house of God on a Sunday. I really believe in the local church, and um, my wife and I are passionate about being involved with the church. Um, before I go anywhere, i got to honor Pastor Lauren and Pastor Kelly. Um, it, it's a real privilege to be trusted with your pulpit on a Sunday morning. Um, our pastors only get 52 weeks a year to speak into their church, and to be given the chance to, to uh, hopefully contribute something is, is a real honor, and I don't take it lightly. Um, I appreciate you guys, and I love you guys very much, and even in the short time we've been back here, uh, you guys have impacted us uh, probably more than, more than you'd understand, so I love you guys. I really believe in what's happening at C3 Calgary West and C3 East Village. Um, I believe that the best days of C3 in Calgary are ahead of us. They're not behind us that um, we're going to see great miracles happen. We're going to see great things happen in the city of Calgary through this church in East Village and out here and in the other three three campuses that that Pastor Lauren sees uh, that we don't yet see. So uh, I'm excited to be part of it. Uh, Like Pastor Lauren said, I I grew up in Sundry. Um, I'm a small town Alberta boy. Uh, I decided uh, in 2012 to move to Southern California. And I, uh, I moved down there. I did the internship at C3 uh, in San Diego uh, with a great, uh, great pastor named James Murray. He was our young adult pastor at the time. Um, and I did the internship with him. We, we did a lot of stuff on college campuses. We did a lot of stuff, uh, just had, had great services. Pastor James uh, moved to, back to Australia, and he planted what's now C3 Cronulla or C3 Home, I think it's called. And uh, they're just phenomenal pastors, and uh, it's been fun watching them from a distance. But when I graduated the internship, um, I was given the great honor uh, to be uh, brought on staff full-time at C3 San Diego. I was involved with our uh, young adult ministry and our college ministry still after that, and then I also took over um, our facilities. I ran the facilities, project managed construction projects, did a lot of um, stuff that happens behind the scenes, but that helps the church uh, be what it is. So I was excited. I was excited to do that. I loved Loved my time in San Diego. Like Pastor Lauren and Kelly were saying, the weather is great all year. Um, unfortunately, also the traffic is bad all year. Um, you don't go anywhere without sitting in a six-lane freeway at a dead stop. Um, so it takes a while to get places, but it does look good, I guess, while you're there, as long as you got air conditioning going. I love San Diego. I miss San Diego, but a few, a few years ago, um, my wife and I kind of felt the pull in our heart to move back uh, to Alberta. We didn't really know exactly what that meant. Um, but we knew that we wanted to come back, or I, I would come back. She came from San Diego to here. She's a California girl. Um, but I, uh, yeah, we, we felt the pull in our heart to, to move back to Alberta, and we didn't know what that meant. We weren't sure if that meant that we would um, live in small-town Alberta or if we would um, come to the city, but we've been, uh, we're, we're in Calgary now. We're p- putting our roots down in, in the city, and we love it. We're really happy to be there. We're, we love being part of this church, um, and yeah. We're, uh, last summer, we, we uh, welcomed into our family our first kid. Her name is Winnie. She turns one tomorrow. So my house is currently decorated with pink streamers. We have uh, a flamingo cake that my wife made. Um, and it was supposed to be a pool party. But 
Alberta did the Alberta thing and gave us bad weather. Um, so we're moving the thing inside. It's going to be a good time. Um, we're we're going to cram the house with kids and uh, celebrate her. I believe that she's going to do great things um, as well. I, I can't wait to watch her grow. I'm so proud to be your dad. Um, she's awesome. She's, she, everywhere we go, she thinks that everyone is there to see her. Uh, we'll, we'll be in, in the line at Superstore, and she figures the person working at Superstore just went to work uh, just to see her. Um, right now, we're, we're having to teach her that not every kid uh, that she sees wants a hug. Um, but, hey, we, we gave her a name. Her name means good friend. And we didn't know that when we uh, gave her that name. Um, but that's something that's important to us. And um, I think that, that already we're seeing that manifest in her life. She's awesome. She's, she, she's kind of a bully, I think, sometimes. But um, I, don't, I don't know. She's not saved yet. Look, we're, we're really believing that this is going to be the year um, that she'll accept Jesus and qu- quit bullying other kids. Um, so pray with us. Believe with us. Uh, if this is your first time here this morning, uh, or the first time in a while this summer, we've been unpacking um, a series called Core Culture, Kingdom Culture, um, and just looking at different aspects of what, uh, what kingdom culture is. We've talked about blessing, talked about connection and hope, uh, and this morning I'm going to do my best in the three hours that Pastor Lauren gave me to uh, unpack another, I'm just kidding, i got a kid's birthday party to get to. Um, to unpack another part of that, and, and another part of uh, kingdom culture, core culture, I think, is community, and I'm going to do my best to, to unpack just a small part of that. Um, my goal, I'm a pretty simple person, uh, my goal is not um, necessarily to bring something profound, I'm not like Pastor Lauren who can uh, preach a message uh, talking about the difference between body, soul, and spirit, but I can uh, take things back to the basics. I know I can, I can do that, and I think that if we can just um, walk out of here a little bit different than we came in. Um, I think that's, that's kind of the goal of church on a Sunday, right? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get into this thing. Uh, we're going we're gonna to look at a, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, if you've got your Bible here with you, turn to your neighbor and say, my Bible is better than yours, genuine leather. Uh, and if you don't, that's okay. We're turning to uh, Mark chapter 2. If you have the Zondervan NIV Study Bible, that'll be page 999. Um, but if you don't, it's okay. We're going to also have it up here on the novelty size uh, digital Bible. And uh, I'll read it from there with you. It's Mark chapter 2, verse 1. It says, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. He'd been on a tour of the synagogues. Said they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Good timing, team. Um, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. How can he for, or how, who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? 
It must have been different in his language because that's only like two words difference. It's kind of the same. Um, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out. He walked out. He came paralyzed, and he walked out. That's awesome. In full view of them all. In full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Let's pray and get into this thing. God, we love you. God, we magnify you today uh, in church. We thank you that we can... um, come together on a Sunday morning and praise you that we can uh, that we live in a country where we can worship you freely God we pray that we wouldn't leave here the same way we came in God that we would walk out of this building um, with a with a big shift in our life or maybe a little shift in our life God but I pray that we would look at the world just through a new filter that we would just have a new way to see the people around us and that um that it would be the way that you'd have us look at them God we love you we thank you for what you did for us on the cross in your name we pray amen I've called this message Rough Around the Edges. Rough Around the Edges. A few weeks ago, um, my wife and I uh, were hanging out. It was later in the evening. We were sitting down to watch an episode of How I Met Your Mother. We had a bowl of popcorn, and we started arguing about um, car insurance. I don't... I don't know how this argument started about car insurance. I don't really remember what an argument about car insurance is about. I don't, I don't really know, like, I don't know how you argue about car insurance, but here we were arguing about car insurance, and um, it was kind of lasting longer than I thought, uh, and I got to the point where I realized this thing is going all night. I may as well turn my alarm off. We're arguing the entire night about car insurance, or if your wife is anything like mine, and look, sometimes when we argue, it's because I'm being an idiot, but I think this time, um, Look, let me finish what I'm saying. I think this time, I know that, that, that one of two things is going to usually uh, help my wife feel better uh, when she's angry. And one of them is food. And I knew it wasn't that because we were eating popcorn, so I knew that that, that one was probably okay. The other thing is sleep. Um, so I knew that probably what we needed to do was call it a night and go to sleep. I know some people will tell you uh, not to go to bed angry, but I'm a big advocate of sometimes you got to sleep it off. And... <laughs> I knew that in the morning, this was not going to seem like a big deal, and uh, sure enough, I woke up the next morning, and I think we both realized this probably isn't a very big deal. We don't need to spend time arguing about car insurance, um, and I got home from work that night, and um, to make up, it was also very hot, but to make up, we decided to go sit in an air-conditioned restaurant to eat dinner, um, so we went to OJ's and got chicken wings, and um, the, our, our waitress sold me on some that she said weren't very spicy, and they were very spicy. Um, and I'm not a sissy. I like spicy food, but these were, like, they were hot. Um, like, my nose was dripping kind of hot. Um, and we get home that night, and everything was good, and we went to bed. And about 2 o'clock that morning, uh, I woke up, uh, and it wasn't because I had some prophetic dream or the Holy Spirit was speaking to me in the night, but I woke up because I'm 30 now, and I get heartburn. So... <laughs> I, uh, I woke up, and I did, I think, what most people do. I kind of laid there and told myself, don't open your eyes. Um, it'll go away. And it kept getting worse and kept getting worse. And it was, like, up in my throat. And I, uh, I thought, look, I got to get up and get some Tums. So I stumble over to the bathroom to get some Tums. I flick the light on. And um, 
I don't know why it hit me at this moment in the middle of the night, but I looked around the bathroom, and there was ducks in the bathtub, and there was, um, there was balls in the bathtub, and there was a little bathing suit hanging on the uh, towel rack, and we had a snot sucker sitting on the, um, the counter. And I thought to myself, man, kids come with a lot of stuff. And I think if we're honest, we all come with a little bit of stuff, Right? I think that's, that's what it means to be rough around the edges, that, that when we come and join a community, um, there, there's some stuff that comes with us. And it's easy to want to cover that stuff up or pretend like that stuff's not there, but I think um, one of the beautiful things about, uh, about the church and this community is that, that you're welcome to come with your stuff. And if, if, if I didn't have a bathroom full of stuff, I wouldn't have my daughter either. And I can tell you right now, I'd much rather have her with piles of stuff than not have her at all. So when I look at this story, um, there's, there's a few different dynamics I find uh, where I see something that's a little rough around the edges. The first thing I see is the man's friends, the paralyzed man's friends, do something a little bit rough around the edges. See, I have a friend in, uh, in San Diego. His name's Isaac. He's one of my good friends. And uh, if you were to... Um, get in a time machine and go back five years and find Isaac. You wouldn't find him in San Diego. You wouldn't find him in the house of God, but you'd find him in, in uh, San Francisco selling drugs uh, on Haight-Ashbury, which if, if you've been to San Francisco, it's a really cool area, like lots of cool restaurants and, and bars and shopping in this area. Um, but it's also, it's an area that's a little rough around the edges. And Isaac was living uh, in San Francisco selling drugs, and he got a phone call one day from his friend, Louis, who was part of our church, part of our young adult ministry in San Diego, and he'd had his life impacted uh, by the church there. And he calls Isaac up one day, and he says, Isaac, um, you got to come to San Diego. I've got tickets um, to Warp Tour. And Warp Tour, if you're not familiar with that, is a traveling tour. It's like punk and metal bands and stuff. And uh, Louis tells Isaac, I've got a ticket for you for Warp Tour. You need to come uh, to San Diego uh, and I'll even pay for your bus ticket to get here. So Isaac hops on a bus, comes down to San Diego to go to Warp Tour, uh, and Louis picks him up at the bus station, uh, and they're, they're on their way to Warp Tour, uh, and they, um, I don't know what they were talking about, I don't, know, I don't really know how this, this whole thing went, but um, Louis didn't have tickets for Warp Tour. <laughs> Louis brought Isaac to our church's Empower Conference. And I remember, I saw this guy walk in, and I figure, like, that guy doesn't belong here. Not that, not that, I'm, not that I don't want him here, but, like, I, I don't think that guy knew where he was going when he got in Louis's car. But Louis knew that what he had to do was get his friend to encounter Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, if you have to tell your friend you have tickets to Warp Tour to get them to come to church, that's okay. There's an exception for lying. Don't quote me on this, but look, it worked out this time. And so um, I think it's really powerful when we see it's, it's the same thing that happens here, right? This guy's paralyzed. He can't make his way to Jesus. I don't even know if, if he had faith. It doesn't say that the paralyzed man had any faith. What we know is that these four men um, picked him up on a mat and carried him to be with Jesus, who are we willing to carry to get to Jesus? Who, 
Who are we willing to, with our connect group, with our friends, say, hey, um, we need to get this guy to a place where his life can be changed. The crazy thing about this story is when I read it, see, I know that, that it's easy to tell ourselves, yeah, if, if I just believe more, if I, if I really believe that my life can be changed, that our life will be changed. But when I read this story, it doesn't say when Jesus saw the paralyzed man's faith. It doesn't say when he saw the paralyzed man's uh, action even. What it says is when Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the men who brought him to Jesus, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Who are we believing for? Who are we picking up and bringing to Connect Group? Who are we saying, hey, get, get into this community. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. What matters is just where we get you. The second thing um, I see when I flip through this story is the crowd. See, I think the crowd here, this is a church service that's going on. Jesus is preaching. People are, people are, uh, are there to, to get a word from Jesus. This is the church. But they're interrupted. Are we willing to be interrupted? Are we willing to, um, to have somebody come into our church that maybe interrupts the way that we're doing things? See, I learned with, with having a baby um, that a whole, a whole new type of interruptions that I didn't know before. The first thing that my, my daughter did was she interrupted our lives, and that was a good interruption. I was happy for that one. We, we wanted her to come, and then she came. And then she did interrupt us a little bit. She came a week early, and I'm not kidding you. When my wife went into labor, I said, I, I'm not ready yet. Like I wanted that last six days to prepare myself. But she was coming anyway. She interrupted us. It was awesome. Wasn't too long after that, I learned that babies interrupt your sleep. I guess I should say the baby interrupts my wife's sleep. God bless her cotton socks. I, uh, I sleep pretty good. Um, but she is growing teeth right now, which is no joke. And she interrupted my sleep a lot last night. Um, the other time she likes to interrupt us is we like to, we like to eat dinner together every night and um, my wife and I will sit down and eat, and she'll, we'll sit her on her high chair beside us to eat with us. And while we eat, she kind of just throws her food on the floor. Some might get in her mouth. She'll reach for ours. Um, but when we start chatting, she likes to be part of the conversation. So it'll start, and we'll be chatting, and she, makes, she goes, deedle, 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 deedle. And she's got other sounds. She, she'll blow raspberries maybe. But I think when she realizes that we're not paying attention to, to her input of the conversation enough, she starts to do this. Ah! Ah! She's interrupting us. And it's the, it's the cutest interruption ever, but it interrupts our conversation. Are we, are we willing to, to be interrupted um, in our connect groups? See, I think that sometimes the interruption isn't somebody necessarily digging a hole through the roof of church to come in. But our connect group might be interrupted by the atheist who's got a lot of questions that maybe we don't know the answer to. And our life might be interrupted by our friend coming to us and saying, man, uh, I'm having a really hard time in my marriage. Can you pray for me? Can you walk through this thing with me? I think oftentimes it's easier. We find it easier to be interrupted by uh, the people that, that we kind of expect. Like I think, I think it's easy to um, welcome into the, to the doors of our church um, Maybe the, the, the person who's been going through rehab. Like that's, that one makes sense. It's kind of the, the status quo. When we look at Jesus, we see all kinds of stories of him meeting with, with these people.
But are we willing to be interrupted by maybe the guy who needs to duck out the door a couple times during service for a smoke? Um, but I'd rather, I'll tell you this, I'd rather have him here needing to duck out for a couple smokes than what he might be doing downtown under the bridge if he weren't here. Are we willing to be interrupted by this stuff? I hope we are. I know at C3 Calgary West, we're, we're willing to be interrupted by it. Can, can our circles be interrupted? When we, we, you know, we've got, we've got our friend, we've got our community, but um, when somebody comes and, and they're looking for a place in this community, um, are our doors open or are our doors closed? And I believe that, that Christ calls us to, to be rough around the edges, that the whole church should be a little bit rough around the edges. It should almost be a defining factor. See, it's not about, it's not about I, none of us should feel comfortable in our churches, but I believe that the people who make us feel uncomfortable should feel comfortable in our churches. The next, the next uh, part of the story that I see is the Savior. We see Jesus. He's preaching a message. And I can only imagine how this kind of played out. See, these guys arrive. The, the, uh, the house is full. Um, see, in, in this time, the way it worked was in the morning, you'd open your door, and anybody was welcome to come in. So when people heard that Jesus was preaching in this house, uh, it, it was filling up. People... People, it was kind of a murmur in the street. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And the house filled up. Um, and, and these men arrived carrying their buddy. And they get there. And nobody lets them in. I don't know why. Maybe they didn't pay attention. Maybe they, maybe they didn't want to give up their good seat. Or maybe, um, maybe these guys just saw the crowd and decided, you know what, forget it. We're going, we're going the other way. So they climb up to the roof. Um, and they start to dig a hole in the roof of the building. See, at this time, uh, the houses uh, had a flat roof. It was made of clay and dirt um, and probably would have even had grass growing on it. And so they start to dig, dig on top. And I imagine the people inside are uh, listening to Jesus preach and then maybe some, some dirt starts to fall from the ceiling. The ceiling. And then a little hole appears and a hand comes through it. And then they pull it out. And this hole just keeps getting bigger. And I, I don't know, did Jesus keep preaching? Did he kind of stop and watch what was going on? I don't know. But what I do know is that when, uh, when the, the hole was big enough and the man was lowered to the feet of Jesus and he sees the faith of the guy's friends, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Um, Jesus constantly rubbed Pharisees the wrong way and this is no exception to that. See, when I flip through... When, what, what happened was when, when Pastor Lauren told us that this series was about kingdom or core culture, um, I felt the Holy Spirit put the title Rough Around the Edges on my heart pretty much right away. And I didn't exactly know what it meant. Um, and even up until this morning during worship, I was figuring it out, and I still am. But um, where was I? Uh, <laughs> Oh, he constantly rubbed people the wrong way. Jesus rubbed people the wrong way. And I started to, when, I heard, when, I, when I got that title, I started to flip through the Bible. I figured, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it to the easy spot. Um, if, if, if you're not sure what to say, just look at what Jesus did, and you'll find something good there. And I started to flip through Jesus' life, and it wasn't that I was having a hard time finding a story where he was a little rough around the edges. It was that I almost couldn't find one where he wasn't a little rough around the edges. When Jesus came to earth, people were expecting a king but he was born in a manger. 
They were expecting him to come, I don't know, maybe magically. He was born, I guess he was, kind of. He was born to a virgin. He, he was constantly hanging out with the people that he wasn't supposed to hang out with. He was having dinner with Zacchaeus, the most hated guy around. He was hanging out with lepers. He was constantly breaking um, the paradigms that the Pharisees had. And this, this is no exception. See, when Jesus, uh, it says here, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. They were, they were saying that he couldn't do what he was saying. He says, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Is it cool if I do it like a tiny little bit of teaching right now about what happened? And, and I'm not smart enough to memorize this stuff, so I'm just going to read it to you. This is William Barclay's commentary. He talks, talks about this situation. It says, um, the, these Pharisees, they, they worked for the Sanhedrin. Their job was basically to go out and find false prophets. They were, they were trying to shut down what, what wasn't supposed to be happening. They were probably sitting in the front listening to Jesus preach, just waiting for him to say something that he shouldn't say or do something that he shouldn't do. And he doesn't let him down. He certainly does. It says, when they heard Jesus say to the man that his sins were forgiven, it came as a shattering shock. It was an essential of Judaism that only God could forgive sins. For any human being to claim to do so was to insult God. That was blasphemy. And the penalty of blasphemy was death by stoning. At the moment... Uh, at the moment, they were not ready to launch their attack in public, but it was not difficult for Jesus to see how their minds were working. So he determined to fling down a challenge to meet them on their own ground. It was their own firm belief that sin and sickness were uh, indissolubly, indissolubly linked together, which it's not, by the way. Those who were sick had sinned, they thought. So Jesus asked them, is it easier to say to this man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Any, any charlatan could say, your sins are forgiven. There was no possibility of ever demonstrating whether his words were effective or not. Such a statement was completely uncheckable. But to say get up and walk was to say something, uh, was to say something whose effectiveness could either be proved or disproved right there and then. So Jesus said in effect, you say that I have no right to forgive sin. You hold as a matter of belief that this man is ill. He is a sinner and he cannot be cured until he's forgiven. Very well. Watch this. So Jesus spoke the word and the man was cured. The experts in the law were caught at their own game. On their own stated beliefs, the man could not be cured unless he was forgiven. He was cured, therefore he was forgiven. Therefore, Jesus' claim to forgive sin must be true. Jesus must have left a completely baffled set of legal experts. And worse, he must have left them in a baffled rage. Here was something that must be dealt with. If this went on, all Orthodox religion would be shattered and destroyed. In this incident, Jesus signed his own death warrant, and he knew it. Jesus was a little rough around the edges. The keys can come join me now. The last person that I see here is the one, the paralyzed man. I think if we're honest, most of us can identify with that paralyzed man. There's times where I need my connect group or my leaders or my pastors to stand in the gap and believe for something that maybe I can't believe for. That's why community is so critical. This man literally could not have made it to the feet of Jesus if it weren't for the community around him. It's profound, isn't it? Am I willing to pick up my friend to carry them to Jesus? I know here at C3 we are. Whatever you come in with, 
you're welcome here. We're going to do all we can to stand in the gap. We're going to do all we can to, to see you um, with whatever's going on. Look, man, if I'm honest, I spent six years in full-time ministry. But there was times where I felt completely disconnected from God. Felt completely alone. And there was times where I had to talk to my friends and say, man, look, like, I, I need you to help me with this because I don't know. Like, I'm trying myself, but I'm not getting anywhere. And I imagine that the paralyzed man felt the same way. But when his friends brought him to the feet of Jesus, there was an encounter that happened. His life was changed. The thing I love about all these stories about Jesus, any story you look at, the, the end is a changed life. Always. There's, there's never a time where somebody encounters Jesus and leaves the same way that they came to him with. I think this, the end of this story is so crazy. He comes paralyzed. He's lowered through the roof. Jesus says, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up. He took his mat, and he walked out in full view of everybody. See, when, when my friend Isaac was carried to church, tricked into coming to church. He, the, the, the first encounter left him changed. He accepted Jesus. Not long after that, Isaac joined the internship. Let me tell you, there was a lot of time <laughs> where Isaac was still pretty rough around the edges. My wife didn't like me hanging out with him. She's like, I, do, I don't want him in our house. But it wasn't long before Isaac joined the internship and he started to get a better understanding of what this relationship with Jesus meant. That's community, man. We have an encounter once. We get saved. But then it becomes a process. It becomes one step at a time figuring out what this thing means. And Isaac did the internship. He did the second year of the internship. I think he worked at Chipotle or something. It wasn't long before... He was working at, uh, there's like this luxury theater in San Diego where they bring you fancy food and they bring your drinks to, the, to your seat while you watch a movie. Pretty soon he was managing that place. Last week, maybe not last week, a few weeks ago, a month ago, I don't know, recently, Isaac and, oh, and he got married. He married uh, like a total babe, way out of his league. He... It's hilarious. Like, you guys might have actually met his wife, um, but last week or recently, him and his wife um, started a property management business in San Diego. This is the same guy five years ago was selling drugs in San Francisco. He gets carried to church. He gets involved with the community that walks through what he's walking through. And he walks out in plain sight of everybody. This guy's changed. And he's, he's managing properties. What? It's amazing. It's, it's, to me, it's such a testimony of the goodness of Jesus and what just a small encounter that, uh, will, will have on your life. I think our call as a church is to carry people to Jesus and then watch them as they walk out the front door. So powerful. I'd, I'd love to, to close this 
mess or this this service praying for two maybe three types of people i know there's people here who maybe you don't know jesus or you've never had this encounter or you feel like maybe you once knew jesus but you're far from him now i think it's easy for us to put pressure on ourselves to figure out our rough edges the bible says where sin abounds grace abounds much more i don't think what god wants is for us to try to break off or file down our rough edges. I think what God wants is for us to come with our rough edges and let him fill it. Let him stand in the gap. So if you're here today and, and you don't know Jesus, I'd love to pray for you. And, and maybe you're thinking, yeah, look, Colin, that story is all good and stuff. And I know your friend was doing some bad stuff in San Francisco, but you don't know where I've been. You don't know the places, Colin, that I hang out on the there's, there's a story in the Bible, it's my favorite story in the whole Bible, about a woman uh, who's caught in the act of adultery. She's caught in sin, caught red-handed. She deserves death. And the Pharisees bring uh, her to Jesus, say, what should we do? She deserves death, right? And Jesus, long story short, his response is, um, yeah, those of you, he says, those of you without sin, Go ahead and cast the first stone. The word that he used actually meant those of you who have never even thought once about doing anything like that, go ahead and cast the first stone. And there's this profound moment where um, slowly, one by one, everybody leaves. It says, the Bible says it starts with the oldest and goes to the youngest. I think the old guys knew pretty quick, uh, thought about that, maybe done it. The young guys maybe had a bit of an ego, thinking, well, not, not so bad. Eventually they all leave. Jesus looks up at the woman and he says, where are your accusers? Where did they go? Does no one, does no one accuse you? She says, no one, Lord. He says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Other translations say, go and change your ways. See, an encounter with Jesus will always change things. God, ex God does expect us to change our ways. But his response is still always the same. You can come into church every Sunday saying, God, messed up again. Busted again. And his response always, every single time, hey, neither do I condemn you. Just go and change your ways. Then there's another group of people here who maybe have a hard time um, with the concept of our church being a bit rough around the edges that we like having a polished church service. And I like having a polished church service too. That's why Phoenix and the team spend so much time with preparing this amazing worship. That's why people are here early making coffee, putting the, the, the stuff in the seat backs, preparing for church. But, but I think there's people here, maybe, maybe you're thinking, yeah, that's, that sounds nice, but I think I'd rather it not be my church that has, maybe that's not even the right way to put it actually. I think maybe what it is is that, that we're here and we like what we got going on and we don't want to have those hard conversations. I've been there. And with Isaac, there were times where he wanted to talk about stuff. I'm like, how about you go talk to somebody else? And I didn't like being like that. And I think the last group of people, and this is, this is going to be everybody in this room, I just want to pray that God would highlight people in our lives, that, that we would grab with our community and say, come on. 
We're going to get you to Jesus. We're going to see your life changed. I've got friends that I've been believing for years, years, would know Jesus. So that's me. I'm, I'm believing right now that, that I would just continue to get opportunities to speak into these people. And then if I have to, I'll trick them to come into church. Got tickets for Warped Tour, man. Say, why don't we all stand, close our eyes. Nobody's looking around. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, or maybe you once did, and you want to know him again, or you want to encounter him in a new way, nobody's looking around. But I'm going to count down from three, and I'd love if you'd lift your hand. And it's not that lifting your hand does anything, but I think sometimes it just ignites something in our spirit when we make a decision to do something maybe scares us a little bit. We're not going to uh, embarrass you. We're not going to do anything to make you feel uncomfortable. But if you're here and you want to know Jesus in a new way, I want to just pray with you. You're going to stay, you'll, you'll stay right where you're at. I'm going to count down from three. Three, Jesus wants to meet with you where you're at. His response is always, always, neither do I condemn. Two, he's never let anybody down. And I promise, I promise he's not going to start with you. One, come on, if you're in this place and you want to know Jesus in a new way, lift your hand. See that hand. See that hand. Come on, I believe there's somebody that has been waiting maybe weeks. They've been saying, yeah, God, I'm thinking about this thing, but I need a sign. This is your sign right now. You guys can put your hands down. Just pray that together. Everyone's going to pray it together. Jesus, I love you. I accept your salvation. I want to walk this life out with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Now we're all going to pray together. I want to pray for the people that we're believing for. I want this whole church together. Hey, why don't we all pray together? That, that the person that everyone's believing for would encounter Jesus. And then we're going to go back into that good grace song. Can we do that? Good grace, good God. How good are those lyrics? And while we worship and praise Jesus, we're going to believe for the healing in the, pers in, in the person's life that needs healing. We're going to believe that the friend we've got that doesn't know Jesus is going to know Jesus. We're going to believe that our friend that's been hurting is going to be healed. See, Jesus is a comforter. He's a friend. He's a healer. He's company to the lonely. And we're going to believe together. God, we love you. Jesus, we magnify you. Come on, everybody, let's pray. Jesus, we magnify you this morning, God. We pray for our friends that don't know you. God, we pray for our friends that are hurting. We pray for our friends that are broken. God, we believe that they would encounter you. God, and if it means that we got to trick them to come into church, we will. God, we believe that we'll carry them to church. We'll bring our friends around them and we'll say, we're getting you there. God, we praise you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your goodness, God. You have good grace. You're a good God. We praise you, Jesus. We lift you up and we thank you for what you did for us on the cross. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.